and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. All right, by show of hands, who here has ever weighed themselves? <laughs> yes. By show of hands, who's ever measured themselves in any way? Whether it's your arms or your, your head size or your legs or how tall you are, we all have. Who's ever here pumped gas? Who's ever caught a train? Or flown in an airplane? Huh? <laughs> Who's here has ever built something? With blocks. Who, with blocks or whatever, you can build something. Who here has ever baked something? <laughs> Who here has ever bought or sold anything? Now, these are all seem like they don't connect. Like, so you're asking yourself, what's the connection here? Well, every single one of these things has measurements involved with it. Every single one of these has exact measurements involved with it. For instance, if you catch, uh, if you are weighing yourself, you don't want a broken scale. You want to know how much you weigh. Uh, you want a scale that you can trust. Sometimes you won't trust it, you won't like the numbers you see, but you still want something that has the precise measurements involved with weight. All of these measurements are a standard. They're standardized measurement uh, measurements that have been uh, that have been put into place by man. There was a time. In man's um, history, even in the Bible, where they used, we used our body parts to measure things. So this is a span from your, the tip of your, your uh, thumb here to the tip of your pinky is a span. So you can do things like this. But as you can tell, there's people that have bigger spans than others. So if you're trying to build something and your span is bigger than the other person's or if you're buying something and your span is bigger or smaller, somebody gets the short end of the stick. They would do a cubit, which is from the top of your, your finger to, the, to your elbow. That would be, obviously you can see how not everybody's elbow and not everybody's hand is the same size. Not everybody's arm is the same size. And then they would use feet too, their foot, you know. And that's actually how we got some of our measurements. Uh, a king pretty much put his foot down and said, this is what a foot is. Throughout all the land, this is a foot. And then another king, he took his thumb and, his, and he went from the length of my nose to my thumb is a yard. And he said, this is the standard that we're going to go by in all this kingdom. And, and that these are some of the standardizations of measurements. Uh, before this happened, before a lot of standardization happened in Europe, not so long ago, a couple hundred years ago, there were so many diverse measurements that there, there was like over 200,000 different types of measurement in, in Europe. Different types of things, people doing stuff. No standard. The other thing is, it used to be 
that time you would set your clock in a city by the noon when noon was when this sun was right above you you would set it at noon and that would be how you would set your time but when trains became a big thing where you could go far distances in a short amount of time you would have all this jumbled up time because different people had different times and there wasn't a set standard for time so they made time zones and you know now throughout the world there's 24 time zones for the same reason because now you can fly all these things are have been standardized standardized measurements the standard the standards of measuring things were set by man and you can see how very simple it is and how uh, necessary it is to have these standards without them we'd have chaos you would go to build a building and you'd buy lumber from this place and if their their cubit was longer or their foot was longer or their inches were different then you couldn't build your building you'd have something missing something either a gap or you'd have it too tight or whatever and man has learned how to really build things like an airplane with mathematical exactness with scientific precision so that an airplane will fly and doesn't fall out of the sky. It can handle weather, it can handle temperature, it can handle all the things that it needs to handle. It can, it, it flies, it's a piece of metal that they fashioned to fly. And that all comes from different measurements that people had a standard for. In the physical realm, it's very easy to see the need for a standard, the need for somebody to make a standard. And it's not what I think the standard should be. As we, you know, as I said, a, some scientists got together or kings got together or whatever, and they said, this is what the measurement is. This is, this is what the standard is going to be from here on out. And people went with it, whether it was temperature, whether it was, you know, feet or meters or all that stuff. All those standards were set in place. It's easy to see in the physical realm, but what about in the spiritual realm? Standards, is there a standard in the spiritual realm? And most people, if you ask them that question, they'd say, no, there's no standard for truth. There's no standards for these things. This is just whatever I feel it needs to be or whatever you think it should be. But that's not how physical standards work. So it definitely is not how spiritual standards work. So what is the standard for truth? It's this. It's the word of God, the Bible is the only standard for faith and practice, only standard for truth. As we have that word of God in our hearts and in our lives, that standard is what we can bring our thinking up to. It's the word of God. The word of God is the will of God. It's still the greatest secret in the world. The greatest secret is that the word of God this right here is God's will for us, what God would have us to do. It's God's standard to man. And we bring our thinking up to it, not it down to our, our level. Every measurement is compared to a standard. Every measurement is compared to a standard. So if I have, if I have something that, uh, you know, if, I have, if I'm building something, I have a yardstick or I have something that I'm measuring with. I have a measuring tape or those kind of things. And I'm able to measure it according to this that was based off of the standard. It all comes back to the standard. So it is with the spiritual. 
We have a standard, so every thought that comes in our mind, every word that's brought to our, to our attention, every idea, every, quote, truth, we can have the standard of God's word. We can pull that measuring tape out and see it. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So, we don't want to eyeball measurements. Have you ever met anybody, a builder, a contractor, that would eyeball their measurements? No. You know, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be a contractor for long. Their stuff would fall apart and their stuff wouldn't work. So what we do is I have this this wonderful multi-tool. Uh, it's called a a SOG, S-O-G, I call it a Son of God knife. That's what I use it for. Uh, I use it for uh, a lot of different things, but that's what I call it a Son of God knife because we're sons of God. Uh, and on it, it has little measurements. It has inches on this side and it has centimeters on the other side. So if I was to tell you this is an inch, what would you say? Why not? Why, why would you know that this isn't an inch? Because you've studied a ruler enough to know this isn't an inch. But if I said, this is seven centimeters, would you know what that, would you, would you agree with me or not? Or would you have to take it to the standard to whether or not it was, it was right or even close? With centimeters, I don't know anything about centimeters. So if I have this open, I can say that is six centimeters. That, that right there. But like I said, we don't want to eyeball things if we have a standard that we can look at. If we have a standard. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Many people will, you know, when you, if you ask somebody, what would you do to show yourself approved unto God? What, would, what are you supposed to do? And people will say, go to church. People will say a bunch of, a multiplicity of different things. But the word says that we're to study the word to show ourselves approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. When you work the word, you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to guess about things that are very important for us to know. You can not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's that accurate cutting, that right cutting of the word of, of truth. And as you learn the word of God, you're able to utilize it. You're able to use it in your daily life. You're able to understand the measurements that are, that are there. It's like, I use another analogy. This right here is a cup. You know, this is like, you could call this a cup, but it's not the standard cup, like, you know, eight ounces. And if you look at this, I could say, how much water is in this? And it's, I don't know. I don't know how much this is. I don't know how big the, the mug is, I don't, or the cup is. I don't know how big any of that is. But on the back, it's got a little scale. So I could say, oh, that's 20 ounces. You mm -hmm. see how I can see that? Mm -hmm. Because I'm looking at the standard. This... They copied the standard from what something man had already made, so I can look at this, and it's the same standard. So that has 20 ounces. How do I know that? Because I saw it, and I believe that they were smart enough to put that on there. And they don't have to be ashamed. They're not like, oh man, did we really put the right amount? Is that really the right thing? No, they know, because they followed the standard. We can do the same thing when we follow the Word of God and rightly divide it. 
Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're, we'll look, we're going to be looking tonight, of, of course, at the standard of God's word. That the, that the standard for measuring truth is God's word. And we're going to see the man that did it perfectly, Jesus Christ. And it's always a very uh, enlightening to read this section of Scripture. Even, even if you've read it a thousand times, it's interesting to see what you can get more from it. Because it's something we may not deal with the, the devil directly like he is here, but we deal with the endless suggestions of the adversary over and over. If you're really the Son of God, are you really able to do this? All these things. And we have to have the standard of truth the standard of the Word of God, to bring our minds back to that. So in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then was Jesus led up, in the, led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he afterward and hungered. And when he, the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. And this is the first temptation he does to, to Jesus Christ. The adversary, the tempter, the devil comes to, to Jesus Christ and tempts him after 40 days of not eating. And he says, if you're really the son of God, you can make these stones bread. You can be your own sufficiency. You can figure these things out. What did Jesus Christ answer? Well, I don't know. That might be. I, I'm not sure. No, he said, but he answered and said, it is written. You know what that means? This is what the word says. This is the standard. I'm going to bring it back to this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when this temptation came, when this thought came, when this idea came, this, this contradiction to the word, he was able to combat it with the word of God that he had in his mind, that he had remembered. We have to be ready with the word. You have to be ready to not only speak the word, but be ready to speak it to yourself, to think it, to fight, to combat these negatives of the world. Because the world is negative and it's designed to draw the word out of us, to, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the devil's after, to kill the word out of us, destroy us, to, to steal all that stuff. So when things come to our mind, like, can you, you know, maybe you should have to figure this out. Maybe you have to supply your own need here because I don't know if God's really going to do it. You get those thoughts. You have to bring the, the, those thoughts back to the word where it says, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's, that's in uh, Philippians 4, 19. And when you have that, knee-jerk reaction to bring things back to the Word of God, then you really can see the standard that the Word is in our lives. And you can follow after Jesus Christ's example here. Well, let's continue. Verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the, into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God... Cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, 
lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Do you know what he's asking him to do? He's asking him, he brought him up to a high place, a, a place that if he fell, he would die. He's asking him to commit suicide and to believe that God would protect him from dying of this. Na- if you fell off of a, a cliff or fell off of a high place, you would die. But the devil goes, because it's written. Now, who, who wants to bet that he, uh, that he quoted that verbatim? From where it is that that is in the Bible some of those words but was it verbatim was it exactly what the word said no. no not only that it's out of context so the adversary can twist the words when it's not rightly divided you can make the words say certain things you can make it say things that it, it doesn't say by omitting a word or by not finishing a sentence by not finishing a, a verse you can make it say the opposite of what it's saying completely and that's where a good saying comes in when, when you're talking to people that bring up ideas. Maybe you don't get a thought in your head. Maybe somebody comes with an idea and you say, where did you get that? What's the chapter and verse? Bring it back to the word. Show me that in the Bible where it says that because this is the standard. And if you have the understanding that this is the standard, just like this is a standard for measurement and this is a standard for measurement right here. I'm going to say, how much water is in there? Well, it's however that much is measured with that. Well, how long is it? However this measures it. Well, does that line up with the measurement of the truth of the word? And that's what, we get, if we get into the habit of doing that with our thinking and with people and with ideas, you can really, that's how you really don't fall for the traps of the adversary and you can really help people because it's the truth that sets people free. Okay. Jesus said unto him, verse, verse 7. So Jesus says to him, after he says, hey, why don't you jump off this? You won't really die. You won't really die. Just kill, you know, yes, it looks like it'd be killing yourself, but you won't really die because it's written. You know, the angels have charge of thee, and they, they won't let you dash your foot against a stone. And then he said, Jesus Christ says what? He says, well, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, maybe. No, no he says, it is written again. He came back with the word again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That'd be tempting God. And people may come to you and say this stuff. I've had people say, well, if you're really God's son, drink this poison. This po- if, you don't, if you drink this poison and don't die, then that shows that you're God's son. It's like, I'm not going to drink poison on purpose. That's tempting God. But it does say if you accidentally drink poison that you can not die, that God can protect you from that stuff. If you get bit by a serpent, you can shake it off. That's what, uh, that's what Paul did in the book of Acts. So that's available, but you're not going looking for snakes. You're not going looking for poison. You're not tempting God. Any, uh, verse 8. Again, the devil taketh him unto an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. So the adversary tells Jesus Christ, he says, I'll give you everything you want, everything you could ever want. The kingdoms of the world and the power, all the power you can imagine. You just got to fall down and bow, bow down and worship me. What does Jesus Christ say? Well, I'll think about it. that. That sounds like a good idea. You know, maybe. No, no he says, then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. Means get behind me. Get out of here. 
For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. And this is a constant, although we don't have this direct like this, there's a constant bombardment to be our own sufficiency, to put ourselves in a position where we're, we're breaking, princi breaking principle and then just supposed to just trust God to, to get out of it, or you know, uh, worshiping something else, putting something other than God. And he, Jesus Christ didn't fall for any of that stuff because he had the word in his mind. Then it says, "In moments of the serve, verse eleven. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him." So Jesus Christ was able to stand in the midst, uh, in, in face to face with the adversary, forty days without food, hungry. You know, very, very. You know, how irritable are you if you miss a meal? You know, it's like he he still had the fortitude in his mind to go back to the word. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll continue to look at the standard. You're going to constantly be told there is no standard. You're going to constantly be told uh, not only is there no standard, but you, you are foolish for thinking there's a standard. But we know there's a standard. It's foolish to not think there's a standard, that God would be so... You know, so wonderful and so smart and know everything and create everything and not give us something that we could know his will, that is foolish. That's foolishness. First Corinthians 15. Pete and I were reading through this this morning. Very interesting. Uh, because this is one that's a, a really... It's, it, it's showing Paul confronting... And reproving the some people in Corinth about about uh, this attitude or this wrong teaching that was going on or wrong ideas. In verse twelve, it says, "Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead?" The word says that there, that Christ got raised from the dead. That's what it says. That's the standard for truth. It happened because the word says it. We bring our thinking up to the word. But some of you are saying that that didn't happen, that there's no resurrection. So let's play this out. Let's think about this, how this would work if that's the case. But if there be no resurrection, verse 13, of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching then our preaching vain then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain yea and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised up not up if so be that the dead rise not you're tell you're saying something totally opposite of what the word says about the standard of truth says it says Jesus Christ died and rose again this is the corner of Christianity. We have to believe, to get born again, you believe Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And you guys are saying, there is no resurrection, then you're dead in our sins, we're wasting our time, and we'll keep reading. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. We're, we're, we're not saved, if that's the case. None of this stuff is, is available if Christ didn't get raised from the dead. Then they which, which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. All, our, all the ones that the hope that we had of Christ's return 
and the dead ones rising in Christ, that's done away with if Jesus Christ didn't get raised from the dead, if there is no resurrection from the dead. If in this life, verse 19, if this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If all we got is this life and there's no hope afterward, we're just miserable. Man, you, we need that hope. We need that hope. Well, verse, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. No, 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 no. That's wrong thinking. Jesus Christ did get raised from the dead. Of course, we can speak in tongues. That's the proof. But you can see how the word is the standard. And you see how in here, sometimes you'll have these things come in your mind and you bring them back to the word. You see what Paul's doing with these guys? He's explaining to them, okay, if this is right, then you're saying we have no hope. We have no resurrection. We are not saved. We are not redeemed. We do not have everything that, that we have taught you that we have. You're telling us we're wrong. You're telling us we don't have that. And you're going to be told that. That's a daily thing. If you're out there speaking the word, you'll have people tell you that stuff all the time. But that doesn't matter because we know the standard of truth. We know we have a hope. We know Christ is coming back. We know our labor is not in vain. We know we don't have to be miserable, more miserable than, you know, uh, most miserable. Uh, continue a couple pages over. Turn to Second Corinthians, chapter ten. You know, once again, chapter and verse. You know, you you show me that in the Word. Show me where it says that Christ didn't get raised from the dead, and I'll show you all the. You know, I could show you off the top of my head ten places where it says, and he got raised from the dead, and he got raised from the dead, and we have this because he got raised from the dead. In that in that chapter alone, it says it a couple times. Chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, verse 3 is where we'll start. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So you see how the word tells us we're not warring after the flesh. There's spiritual stuff going on. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we know life is spiritual, but we want to bring all those thoughts that come into our mind to the obedience of Christ. Well, are you really a son of God? Yes, I am. The word of God says I am. Are you really loved by God? Yes, I am. Is Christ really going to come back? Yes, he is. Because the standard of truth says so. And you get that standard in your mind to where I can go, this is an inch, right? Everybody knows no. this is an inch. No. No, why? Because you've studied it well enough to where I can say, this is an inch, right? And you go, yep, that's about an inch. Yeah. You know, of course we don't eyeball it, but you have, this, the, you have the standard. I once had a uh, person I was witnessing to, and they had me read all these religions that they were into. And I read the first, ver first like, first uh, line of a paragraph, I said, well, that's wrong. They said, how, how could you know? How could you know? Well, we'll see how I knew. Turn to John chapter 4. John chapter, oh, sorry, John chapter 14. My pen ran out of ink on the one. John chapter 14. Well, how did I know? And this is what I told the person. John chapter 14 in verse 6. 
Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And every single religion the person brought to, brought to my attention, I said, nope, where's Jesus Christ in it? They said there was some other way to God. There was some other thing that they could do to get to God. The standard says, nope, and I'm not, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. Just like this ruler. I didn't go, well, I think this should be an inch. Nope, somebody else did that. And I'm just showing you. I'm just reading it. And so I was able to speak the word to this person, and they, and they just kept bringing this up. I said, nope, because this is an inch, and you're telling, me it's, you're telling me this is an inch. So I can line this up, and I can see it every single place where it says some other way to God. There's not. Only through Jesus Christ. That's what the word says. Only through Jesus Christ. We'll continue in this verse, or in this chapter. It says, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, Jesus Christ talking, the works that I do shall he do also in greater works than these because, shall he do because I go unto my Father. Jesus Christ made available spirit, Holy Spirit and power that we have. And that power is so great because we're able to do the things Jesus Christ did. You know, we may not see the miracles he saw in our lives yet. We may not see all this stuff, but that's not because God's changed. Or because Jesus Christ changed. It says he that believes on me. We just have to build our believing. I want to see miracles in my life. I want to see these things. And I want to get people born again. That's that greater works. We can get people born again of God's spirit. Have eternal life and be have the hope of Christ's return. Be, when they believe Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Um, so we see how the standard is the word of God. How in the world there's these mathematical exactness and scientific precision to all of their standards. Well, the word has even more mathematical exactness and scientific precision. And as you continue to delve into it and study it for yourself and, and have help from others get to study it and those kind of things, that's when you can really get the most out of it. That's when you can really combat the thoughts of the adversary, the thoughts of the world and all the ideas, and you can really... Uh, know that you know that you know that you know and that's what's so great that God would give us a standard you can't bring me down the word is on my mind